This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello. You miserable bastards, and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. I am Mark Jardin. I am joined by Andrew Christie. Good evening. And that's your lot. It's just the what? two of us. Jamie is still recovering from, I believe, the most beer sold in Paisley in a day ever. <laughs> on a, on Saturday, judging by the nick of some folk in the shop after the game. Very good night. Very good Andrew, gaff. Andrew included. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's relatives included. Um <laughs> my relatives included actually. Um but yeah, uh just the just the two of us, but we've got plenty to plenty to talk about. Was that the most enjoyable Saturday watching someone ever? I think so. The only thing it comes close <laughs> this season anyway is the the away female at Tanadice. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because we don't tend to win games by more than a goal. In fact, I should have looked up the stat, but how, I don't know how many times we've actually done it this season. It may just be three, three, four, something like that. But yeah, to win it that that quickly as well, the game was done essentially after 40 minutes. And then, I don't know about you, the second half was just an absolute non-event. Obviously, you guys had a lot more fun because you were on comms, yeah. which we, we were certainly like the most fun thing ever. <laughs> we, were, we were filling a lot in the second half because I think both, yeah. of us were, both of us were absolutely spent. Um I think it it's true what you're saying about Tanadice. I think this one, you know, I'm not, you know, by any stretch saying it's the best game someone I've ever played or, or whatever, but in terms of there being so much pressure beforehand and, and also with some previous results in, in more recent weeks, there's a fair bit of resignation, I think, in, in quite a few people. Not about the result on Saturday, but that, you know, top six was maybe done and it was out of our hands and, and all the rest of it. And it just feel like all of that got a bit of a shot in the arm. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of nerves going on. It's by by no means yeah. um kind of doubting the team or doubting Robinson or whatever, but it's just we've had that kind of game before where all the pressure's been on it and we've just not quite got it over the line with kind of high profile heartbreaks kind of thing. So just to get it done and get it done that emphatically yeah. was was incredible. I think uh, I saw some people comparing it to the Wraith game and maybe the Air game right before right. the end of the the great escape season where it was like, you know, it all comes down to this and everyone's got that kind of inbuilt reflex of self-deprecation when it comes to someone where you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. we need to win and we're capable of it. So we'll probably lose it. I mentioned this to you guys in the group chat. I had a couple of pals in another group chat message me about their coutons on Saturday afternoon saying that they had someone in because they knew they had to win. And I was like, oh, if anything, you should probably take them out. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, replace them with hearts. So, uh, so that was really enjoyable. I really, uh, I really like that. <laughs> but I think, I think especially, um, oh, sorry, Andrew. I was going to say like, the, that fixture as well. It's it's historically not a game that's won by more than than one goal. Um, yeah. So it's, the first goal was so important, and to get that after 
what, 40 seconds of, of game <laughs> time. I know the penalty wasn't actually taken till maybe Sunday. five odd minutes right. in. It was a long old wait, but to get that that start just took all the nerves off. And I think games like that where we've, we knew if we kind of sat off Levy, as we have done with other teams, then the punishes, you know, that's kind of where Martindale's made his kind of his money at Levy. Just, but yeah, setting up, we just looked depressed, really high up the pitch, we were aggressive, and I were just just brilliant, just blowing my way, and they were just never going to recover from from that opening, that intensity. Absolutely, we flew out the traps. You mean, and that's you know, that's absolutely deliberate. I think. Uh... We, we certainly all watched Lewis Smith's, you know, his, his compilation videos, highlight videos that he puts out. Yeah. We all obviously watched it this week because me and Sam get <laughs> our commentary <laughs> get, get dropped in. But I think if you watch the video from Saturday, it includes the tail end of Robinson's team talk just before they go out. Yeah. And, and I, Robinson says, you know, first 20 minutes, want to play that in their half. They want to give them a an inch and start quickly. And I think that, that's been a, a bit of a trademark of the games this season where we've played well. We've made that count early doors in games. And the trademarks of the games where we haven't played well, like yourself and I did the, the comms on the Dundee United game at Tarandice. Yeah. And we had such a slow start. We were always kind of chasing our tails after that because yeah. we came out the first 20, 25 minutes was so lackluster and so poor. And obviously they got that goal. But yeah, it was just, we absolutely came out of traps flying. And the midfield three, in particular, of O'Hara, uh, Bacchus, and Goggins, just. Absolutely yeah. ran over their the Levy counterparts. It was a uh, Shinny, Bolt, and Pittman. Yeah, right, I'd, um, I'd put something on Twitter that I think it's so notable that Gogic had for me his best game in a sit run shot. Yeah, and and lasted the full ninety, and all three of Levy's centre mids were off by the end of the <laughs> the end of the game. I just think they had enough. Yeah, um, we can we can do it either way around. I, I don't mean talking about players first before we talk about the. The goals, I think Gogic is probably the one I'd want to talk about first. Uh, I just, I, I, I've not been as sore on him as a centre half as I think some others have been. I don't think he's as good a centre half as Declan Gallagher, and I think he's probably not as good a centre half in some circumstances as Joe Shaughnessy. I think that's yeah, fair. Yeah, depending on the he, game, isn't it? But he's not bad. I think he's. We've we've spoken about it before, and we certainly discussed it on on commentary when we've done it about Gogic being picked because he forces the defence to play a higher line when we don't have the ball. He brings things up the pitch, and I think Robinson prefers things to be a bit, a bit tighter like that, and that's why I think he prefers him. If uh, if we're going to have a bit more of the ball to, to Shaughnessy, but I think this was a great game to bring Shaughnessy back in. But but as we're talking about Gogic, perfect game to let him loose and yeah, in midfield. That's a game where you don't miss what Erehon has, and Gogic doesn't because Gogic wasn't in there to play finessed balls through, through people. Gogic was there to just. Bully. He was just an absolute yeah. spanner in the works, wasn't he? And and he was phenomenal. That the I can't remember how late it was now, but the is it three tackles in a row? Yeah. He wins and then the ball goes out and um, right near the end and the crowd like erupted. It was full on like Conor McGregor doing the belly strut, like just unreal. Aye. I can't remember if it was yourself or maybe someone I was there with inside they were saying that John Beaton, after that we run, basically said to him, like, I was going to give a fail against you, but you looked like you were fine. Really, <laughs> you had it under control. Because I think, yeah, he, he rolled about three fouls and still had the ball. But yeah, it was yeah, it's a great performance by him. So enjoyable as well. I think that's that's what we wanted when, when it came out that we were signing Gogic. And it's something yeah. that we've not 
not really had. I think, you know, Power was a physical midfielder and I, I'd certainly Power at his best was great. Mm-hmm. Um, great for us. And, and Foley, you know, a very different player, but playing that kind of deep role, being capable of physical stuff, I think they, they bring things that maybe Gogic doesn't doesn't have in, in some respects. But I've missed having someone like that and, and maybe in the kind of Goodwin mode almost to, to take it back a bit further who you can just tell how much the opposition hate playing against him <laughs> when he's in that form. He, he's done it against Celtic a couple of times where like I don't think they're used to having someone in their face to quite that extent because of the way they play and you can just see that panic a wee bit. Sometimes. Yeah, same with Rangers. Did you happen to see he posted a kind of compilation on his yeah, Instagram, yeah, I think yeah. it was maybe his agent made that or something, but there was a, a lot of game, uh, a lot of clips from the game at Ibrox as well. Someone to the same way, he's just right in Rangers' face, and they teams like that don't don't like that and haven't no. planned for that. And I just such a, a good ass, a good asset to have. So good, I think um, that there in a in an afternoon kind of explains why Robinson saw that there was a gap there, even towards the end of the summer when the budget was pretty tight to yeah to fill and if you know being that kind of difference you know the equaliser in Perth a couple of other things you know that could be worth its weight in gold by the time we get to to the split and beyond so it was, it was just so enjoyable to see him have such a a good day like that I think also I don't know if, if we've had a podcast since the since the Scotland Cyprus game or, or I don't know if I've been on one if we, if we have I thought Gogic was brilliant against Scotland as well yeah I actually <laughs> missed really... that game myself but I heard I heard yeah. somewhere did all the goals I, not come after he was taken off as well yeah, well, the, the the second and third did for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was I was an an eight deep into my stag at that point, so I was in a I was in a bit of a neck. But what I, what I remember seeing was pretty uh, pretty impressive. Um, I would not be against him being the kind of go to holding you know like midfield option now. I think it totally freed up Bacchus and O'Hara yeah. as well, in a way that they've not quite had that license and um. In recent weeks, maybe maybe since Erehon moved on, I think I don't think it's a coincidence that Bach has probably had his strongest performance for us for for a little while and was able to push on. And, and I think O'Hara speaks for himself, doesn't he? I think we really missed O'Hara in the second half because obviously he was hooked yeah. after he was uh, booked um, just after the penalty was awarded. I'm so surprised uh, that wasn't um, withdrawn. That yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to steam in because I clearly don't know the rules. Yeah. yeah so- <laughs> But, I'm sure um, if uh, I'm sure if this gets out, then Craig off the terrace will steam in and tell us exactly why it wasn't a. a but, um, yeah, so obviously he was hooked at half time, and it was a, a real. Uh, it was very noticeable that it wasn't there. I mean, the game was more than one at that point. Yeah, but yeah, I thought but, out uh, wide. Um, Thierry Small and Ryan Strain had excellent games as well. Yeah, I think Small certainly falls into that probably his best appearance. Yeah, uh, for his category as as well. I think he gave Nicky Devlin a torrid day. I mean, that's it. Like, there's not a lot of wingers in this league that will get get change out of Nicky Devlin. Least of all, like an 18 year old. But he was so so in his face, so aggressive and so brave. And yeah, technically, he's really really starting to come onto the game. I think Celtic was the the first game I saw where I was like, right, I I get this now. Because there's always been kind of shoots of a a player there, like you know, like he's played. He's good enough for Ancelotti, he's good enough for us kind of thing, but uh, so I was just trying to could you get a tits out there? Was... <laughs> this is the point of the podcast where I tend to do that to try and the get top, around. The top of the I sorry, but yeah, it, um, it was a real, a real great performance for him. I think uh, he's the player that 
that we've kind of been told we've signed by um, Southampton fans and Everton fans as well. I think he was really well supported as well. I think because yeah. there was that commitment to us pushing forward, particularly in that first spell where you, you kind of dictate what the game's going to look like. I think he was, you know, he was throwing his, his step overs in and, and being really high up the park, but you had you had O'Hara there, you had Dunn pushing right up to give an option. You had Main dropping Main and, and what dropping out were out wide to to give options so that there was always someone behind the guy that Small was trying to take it past, distracting him and giving him something to think about. And it just all seemed to work. I think um Martindale I mean, I think we do um we do kind of gobble Martindale a bit <laughs> <laughs> with uh, whenever we talk about him. But I think uh, he, he's certainly one of the more tactically astute managers in the league in terms of working with the resources he's got and getting the most out of them and making them be as effective as they can be. He's, he's kind of the, the kind of, you could call it kind of money ball manager in the league. Yeah. He's, you know, I think he was talking shite when he was saying about only paying guys 900 a week, but he definitely does have a lower end budget and out of that lower end budget he manages to get players who can play three four different positions he changes shape really regularly and frequently in games and any squad are capable of of doing that so I, I, you know, I've got a, a lot of respect for Martindale I was surprised that we ditched them <laughs> to the yeah. extent that to the extent that we did I, I just didn't see that coming in and it was a very very tight game plan from Robinson I followed think very well and it just blew Levy away they just couldn't cope I think Levy you could potentially say they were victims a wee bit of overthinking on Martindale's part potentially um, so he switched from a I think they kind of generally play a back four um, and they switched that kind of 3-5-2 to more sort of closely match us but that just totally put it into our hands um, up top Joel Nubley and uh that other big idiot whose name escapes me, Ed Guthrie. Yeah. Um, they weren't able to get in the game at all. And like Simon Levy, as a game from the outside looking in, it's a tie that you assume is won by whoever can kind of button bash their way to like a physical knockout. But you know, there's actually a lot of football required to be played in order to win the tie. And I don't think Martindale side on Saturday was really set up to do that. Yeah. Um, he set up the kind of physical team that you know, old firm fans think Livy are um, kind of incorrectly. But yeah, in that regard, I think if I was a Livy fan, I'd probably be pretty raging at how the team kind of set up and capitulated on Saturday. But I mean, aye, that's Livy. I don't care about them. I care about us. And for us, Saturday was an incredibly satisfying, like pretty comfortable three points and one that we really needed going into this last few games yeah. before the split. I think um, Charles Dunn is a very hot and cold footballer, but I think uh, I think Saturday was a perfect example of what you get when he's back in the team. I think he had Guthrie in his back pocket. Yeah, yeah. For for pretty much the entire the entire game, you, you know, I think Levy were pretty wasteful, particularly in the second half. But they really didn't get that much to for a team that ended up with what four strikers on the park towards the end. They, they really didn't get that much to to play with and. We mentioned it quite often in commentary, actually. John Beaton, in my mind, in my recollection, which might be inaccurate, is quite a pernickety ref. Tends to blow often for things that you could maybe let go and put, you know, mm-hmm. puts a kind of flag down early as to what he's going to tolerate and what he's not going to tolerate. And actually, I think Nubley and Guthrie and Dunn 
and Shaughnessy to an extent just had a great physical I mean, that's battle and, and he just let it go because I think they were each given there was a couple of times when um, Nubly went down and I think if I could totally have seen that even if it went the other way and it was one of our strikers that went down we'd be claiming for it but I th- almost it was like a bit a bit too honest I don't think it was like a penalty or anything it's not that but there was no interest from Nubly in trying to roll around and see what he could yeah. get out of it there was yeah. a recognition that I was pushing him, he was pushing me, and he's got the better of me. And it just kind of went like that for most of the... It was it was quite refreshing to see, and it really suited us. Yeah, I mean, I could think play. the only kind of real time I remember them getting in behind was uh, Joe Nubley kind of spun yeah. Shaughnessy a wee bit and put the ball over the bar, but other than that... Should have buried that. I, well. I think they kind of... Yeah, absolutely should have. But yeah, I think, you know, that you could see Dunn was absolutely relishing that. Just yeah. the proper physical side of it, which... Yeah, he's, he's a, a big fan of him. I just, every, everything in the park worked. It was just... Shaughnessy stepped straight in. was just... Yeah, open. absolutely. Great game. You know, we're talking about that one occasion when he's been turned. And even then, he kept the pressure up long enough for... I know nobody got the shot away, but I think uh, Fraser, maybe, or maybe Dunn, was coming in just behind to cover. With yeah, the well, that's it. as soon as that happens, uh is up and kind of gesturing for Dunn. Yeah. It should have been over quicker kind of thing, So, which obviously yeah. any good defender does. You immediately yeah, shift the blame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, it's so good to see Shaughnessy back and to have such a positive game. Um, yeah. I still don't yeah. think he's the first name in the team sheet that some people suggest now. I think if Gallagher's fit, Gallagher's your guy, and I think there's a conversation beyond that. But uh, showed, I think the game showed, showed that yeah. there's a use for him in the squad, which... yeah. If we were being selfish, I'd love him to stay in the squad and do that. But from his of course. point of view, like, should he want to go elsewhere and get first team football that he absolutely could get in this in this league? You know, he could yeah, still yeah. anyone in the bottom six and kind of above potentially. Like, should he want to go get first team football? We can't. I wouldn't want to stand in his way. But from a purely selfish point of view, if we could keep him in the squad just to to do that every now and again, would be ideal. Oh, one his point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Even you can see he's kind of talking. He's defence through the game. He's just such a yeah. kind of leader on the pitch. He's so vocal, and I I do like that. There's no, I think O'Hara's a fine team captain, but I think there's there's no question that when Shaughnessy's on the pitch, he's the we've, we've talked about it before with the hand and the armband over whenever Shaughnessy's yeah. come on and whatever else. I think Shaughnessy is categorically club captain, and he's talked yeah. about in such a a warm way by anyone that ever comes out and, and mentions him. I think um, he's a great influence to to have around. I think he's really key to the kind of squad balance that, that Robinson wants and that if there's any chance of being able to talk him into staying in a kind of Flynn-like role yeah. where you will get games because we've got a lean squad but you're not going to be you know, you're not going to be first name down on the, the team sheet. If we can talk him into something like that then I think he's an asset 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, I think we should, we should, we should probably talk about the the incidents in the game itself, and uh, you you've already mentioned how quickly that that first one rolled around. I think me and me and Sam or Arsies could have uh, sewed buttons at the start of that game, and we were a little bit, you know, a little bit tentative trying to, trying to stay composed on the on the mic at the start of that, and as you say, forty forty five seconds in, it was a penalty. There was no no denying yeah. that. Is it uh, is it the Lucas? Delicious, yeah. The, 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 his hands come up and it's definitely there. And, and the protests were, you know, it wasn't just, you know, have a look at it, ref. I think there was like disbelief from the majority of the Sitman forward line that it hadn't just been given. And after away. being 
after this happened, I think about 40 seconds, then it was about five minutes into the game with the penalty was actually taken. Now, I, I may be talking out of turn here, but I think, was it being checked for potentially a foul in the build-up or an offside in the build-up? I don't think it was the actual could have been. the handball decision that was being queried. Yeah, but, I mean, it's strange, yeah, it but it's a although long, long time. It's position is maybe a factor because the VAR camera at that end of the pitch is in the west stand. Right. I don't know if there's a reverse camera on the other side, so you're looking through a kind of clutch of bodies. Yeah, yeah. To try and see that, and and if it's not concrete, then they're not allowed to to give it. I mean, obviously yeah, it was, but it maybe just took slightly longer to to get there. I think there's. I don't want to turn this into a VAR chat because I think it's pretty boring. But I think there's a quite a lot of validity to what they were saying on Sports End, which is a sentence that. You can't say most weekends, but um, I can't remember who it was. It was one of the idiots on Sportsnet, and um, they were saying that if it's taken three minutes, there's obviously something worth looking at. Yeah. Why is the ref not already overlooking at that? It doesn't take three minutes to decide that the ref should have a look at it. It's almost the performative aspect of him. Yeah. Waltzing over, it's like, uh, it's like, just send him over. Of it. You should be like twenty sec. Honestly, I think there should be like twenty seconds. And that 20 seconds should be enough to say, no, nah, I don't think there was anything in that, but give me a second. Or, yeah. yeah, it looks like there's maybe something here. Why don't you come over and have a look and we'll look at the same time. I don't know why you don't do that. And then they can have an actual conversation and talk about it the whole time. <laughs> and, and having both seen it, instead of this kind of pantomime of, I'm just going to stand up here with my hand, you know, telling Ryan Strain not to walk about with the ball. And, you know, every now and then I'll point at my watch as if, this is a reasonable amount of time to make you all stand about <laughs> and then eventually go over like, shave two minutes off that time and just go over and have a look. Yeah. Early yeah. doors. I mean, I'm sure they've got a reason why they don't do it, but I think we're kind of running out of running out of reasons to accept that. Um particularly with whether then another two or three incidents in the half with the offside and the other penalty and, and everything else. I mean, what was that like a fifty minute, fifty, fifty five minute first half? So I think so, something like that. It's unsustainable. I'm not going to stop going to the football because VAR is annoying, but it will come to a point where it just nukes the the atmosphere and people get a bit testy about it and I'd rather they just... just feels like a common sense thing not to do it all separately and waste double the amount of time. But who am I? I'm not you. Yeah, I agree. And rightly so. But um, we got the penalty. Definitely penalty. Yeah, no, definitely Harris penalty. at home well, to be fair. Like... Cool cam collected to... Oh, Jamie. I've heard. <laughs> that That's a t-shirt, the next t-shirt. Yeah, I must have said that on commentary three times. <laughs> um, but af- so after the first penalty, I think you could see that uh, Louis De Lucas was, he was rattled. He just couldn't get back in the game, I think. Yeah. That just did totally shaken him. And, yeah, I, I thought he... I I was, him and um, he, he did come back into it in time. Yeah. But so I just skipped on to the, the second goal, like, it's pretty, pretty poor defending from him to let... Like, yeah. Kind of crawl behind him, but I that goal, uh, the kind of the hashtag we never stop tempo was kind of there to see. Yeah. I think the, the ball person in front of that yeah. stand there, the, the young girl got that ball to Ryan Strain very rapid to start yeah, that she, move. I think she got a standing ovation, aye, and then and then too, um, which is nice to hear. Aye, and yeah, neat throw from Strain finds what it finds a uh, cut's main. And yeah, what it's just that's such a cool finish to take it when I keep it like yeah. that. I don't not to kind of use that goal to shit on other strikers, but I don't think we've had a lot of strikers the past couple of years who would who would do that. Take the touch. 
Yeah. And, yeah. I think um, I I blew my beans <laughs> when, <laughs> when that happened. I couldn't believe I was watching a Simon striker take a touch and empty the keeper. Yeah. And then just, it was just so enjoyable. And I'm now so aware that whenever we commentate on stuff like that, I'm subconsciously trying to go Peter Drury about it <laughs> and, and trying to say something definitive. And like you'll get to the end of what you're saying, and you're like, I cannot believe I've just had the brass neck to say that shit. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a couple of things that uh, haven't been used in the highlight clips, and rightly so, because I think it's <laughs> it's fairly shameless from me and Sam. <laughs> from trying to from trying to hit the headlines, but uh, I thought um, no, Maine and Watt were brilliant together on Saturday. Yeah, Maine yeah. had a Maine had a great game, and um, yeah. he's just so unselfish. I think they were. Uh... I, th- I feel like they played kind of closer together than they kind of tended to have just to get kind of right in the level of defender's face and yeah. almost open up that because you know Watt has that tendency to drift out, out wide outright and then um, I can open up that channel it was Bacchus that seemed to be doing that taking up that mantle and yeah just by keeping that quite compact and proper getting it into Levy back three it was I was effective and you know you give if Watt has played more centrally, we've seen it at Levy and any any club, sorry, um, Motherwell, any team where he's been successful has been kind of through that that central position. He does get yeah. goals and I remember him, that is the first of many. Hope so, and I think um, he's he's visibly getting fitter as well. Um, I think that two week break's probably come at the perfect time for him to to make yeah. a bit of a dent in his fitness, and and we know you know by the fact that he was dropped. In favor of in favor of grieve, that Robinson isn't the type to put you in there based on name. You're either Aye. fit enough to play his game, or you're on the bench and you'll get half an hour. And so I think the only reason what's back in there is because he's obviously grafted over that fortnight to prove that he's got the the appetite for it. Um, I think uh, I, I totally take your point about him playing centrally, and I think that's where you see the best of him. I do remember him playing against us for St Johnston. And dropping wide right, and and because I normally sit at that uh, end of the main stand where where that would be in the first half, I, I remember being really impressed with him, having kind of written him off a wee bit when right. he, when he was at St Johnston when he was dropping out right, and I, I can't remember who we had at left back or or left of our three at the time, but he was bullying them and um and kind of forcing past and that was kind of what started me to think actually I think he's a bit more of a mobile striker than. Than I've given him credit for. I've kind of assumed yeah. he's a bit of a goal hanger, but yeah, actually, you know, he's 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 not he's not the shortest. I think um, he's he's quite stocky, and when he's fit, that's a good thing. It's power. It's not you know it's not sluggishness when he's when he's match fit and he's got a bit of sharpness about him. It's it's power to run through people, and I think we started to see a bit of that. Some really nice flicks and touches to keep moves going. That again, I just don't think you're getting out of someone who's maybe a bit more of a to. Maybe sounds a bit harsh, but a bit more of a kind of functional striker like Grieve. Grieve's yeah. there to get on the end of chances and and to run about, and he does a great job of that. Whereas you just saw that little bit of finesse, that bit of kind of unique play coming out of what that you can't really expect of other people, which I think's what we miss from a younger. A younger's such a handful because you don't know what he's going to do. He's really good at taking the ball down out there. He's got the strength to hold people off and buy a yard, and then he'll lace one off the inside of the post from a narrow angle or or he'll play quite a clever pass and I don't know that we get that from certainly didn't get it from Brophy which wasn't Brophy's yeah. game off the ball but, as well with a young guy yeah. you know he's, he 
presses the uh, defence and forces them to go long, as as we did uh, very well on Saturday. To be fair, you know, forcing them long and Shaughnessy uh, done Gorgas in front of them. I'm happy to do with that, but yeah, yeah, I think Ayunga has been a massive miss, and I think what you can see the kind of early days of him filling that role a little bit. He's not a direct replacement. Yeah, of course he's not, but I think. That's the first time in quite a while that I think we've had that quality beside main in terms of dropping deep and making things happen. And, you know, I, I think he was involved, even even though it's him that finishes off the second goal. Maybe I'm mixing incidents, but I'm, does he not pay, play a kind of clever wee touch before that it gets down to, to that point? Or is that maybe for one of the penalties where it's him that plays that wee round the corner touch to maybe, send someone out wide? Uh, maybe in the penalty. Maybe in the penalty, but... I think um I think he had an excellent game and you could just see the weight come off someone's shoulder sometime. Yeah, and that absolutely. And you could just like the reaction of all of them in front of him in front of W seven was brilliant. And the, you could tell at that point that the day was kind of set up to be the day that it was. Yeah. Um, I think even at that point there was a few Levy fans out the door. I think that yeah. that's when they knew like this is it's gonna be a, a rough day. Yeah, and understandably so. Obviously, I think with the second penalty off the handball of Jason Holt again pretty cut and dry for me Stonewall yeah I, I, I kind of didn't see it dead on at the time so I was kind of looking around to see how certain it was but you could see Gogic at least and a couple of others going full YMCA with it yeah and having the having the hands above the above the head so by the time I went out to VAR I think everyone was fairly confident that it was coming back as a as a penalty um, yeah, not and I think credit has to go to O'Hara. It's not um not easy to take two penalties in a game, you know. No, no, not at all. Shamal yeah. George, a, a great I'm a big fan of him and yeah. goals uh, and it kinda gets to that point where it's a bit of main games. You know, we saw before Christmas when we get that game against Aberdeen, we get about four hundred penalties in that game. Yeah. And um O'Hara elects to give the ball to Younger just because I think at that point you've got yeah, and then a wee bit of main games with the keeper and it's Maybe better just getting somebody out of their head and somebody fresh taking it. But yeah, he slots at home really, really well. And aye, that's him double figures for the season. I know, it's ridiculous. It's McGrath. Incredible from a midfielder. And I think McGrath, and I I don't want to do history on McGrath because at his best he was great, Mm. but scoring penalties was his kind of top attribute. He was, you know, he was good. He created a lot of things. He scored some some belters, but in a lot of games, the difference he made was that when we needed someone to score a penalty, he was there and he was dependable. And and full credit to him for doing that. I think that what's so good with O'Hara is he's involved in everything. Yeah, and he scores penalties. He's not in there as a kind of nation, and you need to shape the team accordingly to kind of fit him in. He would probably be, you know, if Strain was if Strain was injured, O'Hara would be a perfectly functional right back mm-hmm. he would he would fit in at the back if we asked him to he would he could play any of those roles across the midfield he could be a destroyer he could do what he does on either flank and to be honest I, based on how he heads about I could imagine he'd probably be a serviceable target man as well if <laughs> if you need him to do he's just I mean Joe Shaw say up top you're saying yeah I mean please but if uh, if we do get into the top six and then we lose the first uh, the first four games and we're confirmed sixth then I would quite like to see a Sean O'Hara front two. <laughs> I'm just going to see if we get in the top six, lose every game, finish with fewer points than seventh, eighth, and ninth. I'll take that at this point. Yeah, no, I on. think 
if we get over the line, there's going to be the usual people of like, if we don't get Europe, it's a failure. Go get in, get in the bed and shit the bed. I don't care as long as we're in it. I don't mind. Yeah, exactly. It's all about getting in the bed. Yeah, there's a, there's a t-shirt. <laughs> Keep your eyes on miseryhunters.co.uk for that one. Um, I think the only other thing to to maybe mention in terms of the the game itself would be the the offside goal. I was uh, I'm so sad that that was off. Yeah, it wasn't by that much. Was, I think it was by a by a bicep. Yeah, pretty much. It was taken really well. I think he nutmegs the yeah. keeper on the volley. Yeah, just glorious, man. It's just it's just absolutely what you want to see, and it, it was proper like party time piss take at that point when that went in I think uh, the point Sam where you was... kind of think can we not just invoke some kind of banter clause where you just give it to us <laughs> just, just cause it'd be fun this is the, this, there's that get straight to the pub ruling by the panel um, Sam was away when that went in he was off I had to pull him back to the to the mixer in the commentary in the commentary booth to get him back uh, on the mic with the flag up um, he was he was gone I think he was probably away to find Billy <laughs> head over into the away stand to noise up the 52 Levy fans um, sorry that's unfair I've, I've so much respect for Levy fans um, making that tough journey down the M8 you know good on them um, down the travelator second half literally has nothing to talk about no. it was just it was just Thank functional it was just they um, made a couple of changes it. they brought on um, Omionga and Montano who Looked lively. I'm going to try to pick passes, but just that point, it was it was done. It was. I think we struggled a little bit to contain Montano. I think um, you know, really he's a good very, to be fair. Yeah. very dangerous guy, um, dangerous player, and um, I think he kind of stretched us a fair amount. On another day, you know, if he'd been on in the first half and playing like that, it just takes one of those things to come off and. Uh, and maybe the game has a different complexion on it, and I, I respect that he came on with the score, what it was, and played that way, and looked the most likely to to turn something around. But I don't think we were ever that vulnerable. I think yeah, maybe I mean, ballooning his shot over is probably as dangerous as it got. I mean, like you said earlier, the the end of the game with what four strikers on the pitch, and yeah, yeah, it was very comfortable second half. It was just that football wise, it was. Pretty much non-event, but I was still in the park. Fun. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then off we were after that finished down to the reopened Paisley Craft Beer, which I expected to be busy, but I didn't expect to not be able to get in. Absolutely <laughs> jumping, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was so good. Um, turns out Jamie really likes it when you refer to it as a pub as well. So I'd encourage anyone listening to this to refer to it as a pub if you're going in, or, or if you're speaking to Jamie, I think he really likes that Paisley Craft Pub. <laughs> just uh, leave it at that how, uh, how are you feeling about this weekend with uh, off the back of that uh, it could go I heavy. mean it's another massive game uh, it's a place Tencastle is a place we don't typically travel well to but we are meeting hearts at a pretty good time I think their, their 2-1 loss to 10-man Kelly was I think, was it their fifth defeat in six? Um, albeit with the context of a pretty horrendous run of fixtures for them. I think their home record, somebody pointed out in Pine Bobble today, their home record against non-old firm teams is still still pretty healthy. But yeah. um, either they're having a, a few issues 
over in Gorgi. I think uh, looked a bit shaky at the back, a wee bit blunt going forward. Um, it's particularly in defence, to be honest. They've been switching between that that back four and back three. I don't think Nielsen's been that sure of what he wants to do back there. Yeah. Uh, he played the back four against Kelly at the weekend and just looked just really, really toothless. Um, it was a great win for Kelly, to be fair, but I don't think they really had to be that good and to kind of comfortably keep hearts at arm's length. Uh, and obviously, they'd be a very different prospect at home. And like I said, Tynecastle is a place that we, we don't enjoy going to. But yeah, I think if we, I think we could put, maybe expect them to go back to that three four three. Uh, but even then, that back three is something we should very much be looking to get at. Like um, without Craig Halkett, you know, Toby Sibick and uh, Kai Rose are both both have um, their strengths. Don't get me wrong, but they're not the toughest physically. Uh, yeah. Like Christian Doidge and um, Vassell of Kelly got a fair bit out of them at the weekend. Uh, I can remember Rawls having a bit of a torrid time a couple of times against Nubley of Levy as well. And I think Curtis Main and Tony Watt should be looking at this game as one they can really kind of make their mark on. I think so. I think we, I know the results didn't go away and in the end that's what's important, but the the 1 1 draw in Paisley. Where uh, Snodgrass scored that kind of that cross come shot, as Sam yeah. would say. Always good to get that expression out. Yeah. Um, the official goal description of the Missouri Hunters podcast. Um, you you take that moment of 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 madness out, and I think we were decent value to have taken the three yeah. points for for that game, and then we don't need to go over old ground with the the Tynecastle game. But I'm pretty comfortable. And thinking that we were the better team in that, Hearts got it done in the end, and respect them for doing that. And I'm certainly not, I'm neither bitter nor delusional about it. They deserved the win because they got the win. Yeah, um, absolutely. But performance wise, we came out of that thinking on another night we'd have taken points there, um, which hasn't always been the case. Um, at Tynecastle, I've, I've got mostly kind of negative memories of us going to Tynecastle and playing. So I'm going to. I'm going to put a massive caveat on this, so don't worry. But I think we're going into this game at Tynecastle as ready to take a result from it as as we maybe have done. Hearts not in particularly good form. We've not been in great form, but I think uh, the weekend there was a great example of performing when it mattered. And I think if we come at it with the same kind of level, if we do the same kind of t- first 20 minutes, first half hour that we've shown we're capable of, we're absolutely capable of going and getting a result. Now, the caveat that I'll put on that is it tends to be once you're fairly comfortable in all of those things that we are then either blown away by a team who <laughs> who become the team that they've always dreamed of being or we shite it and don't um, quite get there. And I'm, I'm fully prepared for either one of those things to to happen. I think I'm not a big Robbie Nielsen fan, but I don't think he deserves the shit that he gets for what he's done at, at Hearts. And I, I'm I okay think with Hearts. Yeah, I didn't. I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, would say so yeah, those are two different things. It. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know that he fully. He fully deserves the criticism. Sometimes, I think there's there's a there's definitely a better the devil you know, um, aspect to to that. When you look at some of the alternatives the Hearts might get in if if he goes, um, and I think he's absolutely capable of rousing them to to destroy us on a, you know, on your on your kind of average Saturday at, at Ten Castle. You know, you yeah. think back to like. Austin McPhee's heart's putting five past us. 
um, or four pastas, for example. I remember Ike Piazza just destroying us playing as a winger. Just horrible. Was that the, the, the five five two game or something? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that, and, that, and that was a bad Hearts team with, you know, full respect to him as a coach and an analyst and what he did for us. But Austin McVie wasn't, you know, wasn't the next Sir Alex at that point. That was Hearts in a little bit of turmoil and yeah. they bodied us. So I think the same is definitely possible this time round, and I'm not taking anything for granted. If uh, if we come away and we don't get anything, that's what I thought was going to happen as soon as we realised what the run-in was, and I don't think it's a, necessarily a sign of the, the apocalypse. But I think we've proven we're certainly capable of going and, and doing it, and I, I think I actually it, this game probably depends more on how we play than how Hearts play, I would say. Yeah, I think, I think our midfield three is going to be really important. Like, looking at their midfield from the weekend, uh, you've got George Grant, Robert Snodgrass and uh, Keogh, who I, I'm not really sold on Yeah, two of them and Snodgrass. Snodgrass when he joined, he looked look like yeah. a, an amazing signing, but whether it's people figuring him out a wee bit, I think if we if we kind of stick Gogic on him and cut off their supply, yeah. if they don't, if they've not done anything in the first 20 minutes, their fans will get on their back. Yeah. It's uh, a perfect game for Gogic. Again and... The game in Paisley, maybe. Um, I think Gogic played holding mid and was all over them. Um, I, I might have that slightly wrong, but I do have, have memory. Of, and I think particularly Snodgrass just getting really noised up. Yeah. And and not having a particularly good day, not having a particularly good day off the back of it. So I think if we go in with that attitude, then I think we can nullify quite a lot of, quite a lot of that. Going into this game potentially with near enough first choice fit is massive as well. If you think back to to Tenkas, I'm sure was that not Taylor's first start? It was, yeah. Um, fairly, fairly. And we're pretty, pretty injury ravaged that night, weren't we? Yeah. Whereas you, you just hope not. You know, it's not that too much damage, too much damage has been done over this period where we have struggled a little bit for numbers, and we're coming back with a strong enough squad at the perfect time to, to maybe just see this through towards the end, I think, to have, you know, near enough full strength. And I would say that having a fit and firing Shaughnessy, even if Gallagher can't make it, we're not going to struggle too much as a result of that. If, if Shaughnessy keeps up his performance levels, then I think it, it means that we are capable again, like we were at the start of the season, of taking a result off anyone. Yeah, and obviously we are facing the potential of Ross Stewart and goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it feels almost cruel to mention it, but it's. Uh, take it with a pinch of salt. You know, Nielsen has previous for trying to get play a bit of mind games, whether Clark's injuries yeah. is bad as he says. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, in terms of team selection, I think I'd be pretty happy with the same same team as Saturday, yeah, whether he'll. Definitely. Depending on Gallagher's fitness, whether he'll go for Gallagher instead of Shaughnessy. But I'd have no issue with either of them being in the centre of that three. Yeah, I think I think if he knows Shaughnessy is good to go, and Gallagher's maybe eighty percent, then I don't think yeah. he risk Gallagher. Yeah. I think Gallagher can come back in for the Kilmarnock game, um, if uh, if needs be. Um, and I would I think your team talks kind of written if as Ross Stewart you're up against for, for Tony Watt for Curtis Main for Marco Hara. We call Eamon Brophy shoot from anywhere. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Get Eamon Brophy then to do a wee TED talk for the. <laughs> For the rest of the squad on the subject of scoring when there's an expected goal of zero point zero one, and um and see what comes of it. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I think we've got a reason to be confident. It doesn't mean I'm not ready to be crushed, but 
I think uh, that's all you want when you follow someone is to win thinking there's a chance. And I think there's absolutely a chance on, on Saturday. I mean, that's right. You know, going to Tynecastle expecting a win is something that we all know better than to do. Yeah. But we're meeting them a good time off the back of a very good win for us. They have their issues. I wouldn't put it past us getting something potentially. So, I. But, it's not. Um, it's not a must win. I don't. I think results go away. We could. I, to be honest, I take a draw. I think. Yeah, I think a point would be very, very helpful. Yeah. Assuming we go at Kelly with the same way we went at Levy, and we can. I think that's the Levy. Uh, Kelly's the must win. Yes. I think I'm. I'm pretty. Com- I'm pretty comfortable describing that as a must win. Unless we took three points at Tynecastle, in which case it opens up, and I think Robinson will probably frame it as in that kind of, in that kind of way. He said, you know, you can do yourself a lot of favors by, by picking something up here that that you're not expected to do, and it maybe takes a bit of the pressure off. I, again, um, talked about Goblin Martindale earlier on. I'm about to, I'm about to get my knees for Robinson as well, but the um. I thought the way he spoke after the the Livy game was was just perfect. Where, you know, he was asked about pressure, and he's like, "It's not pressure. We're a good football team. You know, we're we're good enough to beat Livy. Yeah. It's not pressure to remind the players of what they're capable of and to say go out there and do that." I'm I perfectly think, happy with us being the ones that are shitting ourselves and the team being kind of quietly confident in their own abilities. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. every Saturday I go to the game, like a bag of nerves, but. Like the team's not that way, and I think that's yeah. that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. And you know, results could go our way on Saturday. Like the teams around us do have the the quote unquote kinder fixtures, but yeah. even then, like the people are meeting teams that are fighting for their lives. Livy are meeting Motherwell, who they hit great run results recently. They battered Hibs three one at the weekend. Kettlewell so, looks like such a capable match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I didn't expect um, he seems so, like a nice I, guy as well actually I don't begrudge Kettlewell doing I've got a lot of time for Kettlewell yeah yeah and, and that weird think... widow's peak of his <laughs> the um, the again I'm, I'm sure it was probably Alan Preston so I'm so loath to quote him but it was either him or it was maybe Rory Lawyer someone on Sportsend was talking about having been out with Kettlewell and Kettlewell essentially going like Full fucking Bielsa and basically saying, I just need someone to give me a chance. Yeah. And as soon as yeah. they give me a chance, here's what I'm going to do. And having basically everything ready to go. So I can totally believe. And I think he said he just needs a chance. And the first few games of that chance need to go well. And then he's pretty confident, actually, that he's got a long term thing. So fair play to him for coming in and turning that round because it wasn't, it was by no means guaranteed. I think it's, it's kind of crazy almost that they've just taken themselves entirely out of that conversation given yeah, how poor they yeah. were for so much of the, the season. But um, yeah, we can we can talk about them next season when we're playing them again. Because <laughs> uh, we don't need to worry about them this season, hopefully. Um, before we, we finish, quick shout out to us being the bastards of the league. I just yeah, love it so much. I yeah, love, some of the stats that Pine Borver were sharing, just incredible. Yeah. I love the amount of fouls we commit. I love the amount of fouls we win. I love the ball boys and girls giving us the ball back really quickly when we want it or not giving us the ball back at all when we don't and we're trying to kill time. I love the other team never getting the ball. It sometimes feels like there's three ball boys and or ball girls in the entire stadium, depending on 
on what we want to happen. I love it. I love us throwing ourselves about and maximising the fouls we get. Yeah. I love us demonstrating in front of the ref with our hands above our head to make sure that we get I mean, how, how many penalties have we been given this season? Is it eight or nine? Yeah, we've had more penalties than Celtic this year. Yeah. It's been, and bear in mind that we've got 25% possession <laughs> in most games and Celtic have 90. Yeah. It's amazing. Fantastic. And uh, we gave Gavin Duncan in the VAR room a hero's reception on Saturday. <laughs> on, <laughs> on course. If, if I can find it, I might add that clip in. But if I don't, then I won't. Um, but yeah, we yeah we went pretty all in on that, and I I am entirely here for us playing that way. I've waited for us to play that way for. There's so been so long. many seasons where we've you just want you just kind of want that bit of shittiness. This it's the edge. It's sometimes the a bit nice, and yeah, it's I don't, it's don't begrudge us that at all. I think I was so gutted that Goodwin, being the player that he was, was then just quite nice as a manager. Yeah, and you mean he's a guy that took, was it Lee Makles or Scott Severin's head off his shoulders with that elbow against Dundee United? Stuart Armstrong. Is it, was it Stuart Armstrong? Is it, well, in fact, was it uh, was it Severin's leg that he shattered? Maybe, yeah. Uh... Uh, maybe it was, but let's not celebrate that quite as much. But the, taking Stuart Armstrong's lovely hair uh, off his head with a, with a clothesline was uh, absolutely phenomenal. And then as a manager, I think we were a soft touch. Yeah. So often, and and we're pricks this year, and I absolutely love it. So, because yeah, the amount of opposition managers that are in the kind of post match have said just how much how not fun it is playing against. I think. Yeah. The Motherwell game was it one of Hamill's last games. Just made a point of saying that we we time wasted from. Yeah. Kind of minute one, and I just love it. It's full heads gone stuff. Yeah. And I just I just love inspiring that in people. But you would you would hate like if you would hate us if you were an opposition fan, wouldn't you? You'd ever, you know, like, to a man, you despise the players out there. Which I think people are beginning I to look at us. Up. Yeah, I think people are beginning to look at us like they looked at Levy. Yeah, it's just they, they find a way to do it, and it's really frustrating, and you don't quite know what to do. You know the Livingston team that made Christopher Julian cry. <laughs> That's what I want us to be, and I don't think we're that far from eh, we're that far from doing it. I, I would love. For us to shit house a VAR assisted win off of Derek McInnes that puts them right down in the shit. Yeah. I would love that to be how that plays out. And for him to have one of his trademark, which you can't believe it, press conferences afterwards. Rizwell going home. Rizwell just picking up the ball and going home if that's going to be how it happens. Get it right round you, Derek. <laughs> um, well, I'm not projecting, honestly. But uh, yeah, I think we can uh, we can probably leave it there, and I'm just going to keep that going with a fuck Derek McInnes. Uh, fuck the M8. That that's the official opinion of the Misery Hunters podcast. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.